Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That is Joshua 24:15. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, formerly the Orphans No More podcast, where we are here to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I'm your host, Sandra Flack, fellow adoptive mom on this journey with you. This is our third episode of our dad series for the month of June in honor of Father's Day. We are honoring our foster and adoptive dads, and we have another inspirational dad guest with us today. But first, Uh, As promised, we are now arriving in your device by the new name, the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast. I mentioned way back in episode 320 that we started this radio program over seven years ago uh, when we were uh, a, a radio show for that time and then we started releasing our episodes also as a podcast. And now for the past three plus years, we've been solely a podcast and now we really understand and know who our listeners are. And it's it's folks like you, me, adoptive, foster, kinship caregivers. And we, we want to be found by other uh, like-minded folks, parents on this journey. So as of June 1st, 2022, we are now the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast. Same host, yours truly, same format, same content, same mission to serve you. If you're a subscriber, you didn't have to do anything, but notice the name change. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe today. When listeners subscribe and leave a review, a star review, which you can do after listening to the episode, uh, it signals to the algorithm that this show is relevant and important. And then it makes it easier for those searching for a podcast like this to find us. Uh, We want all adoptive foster and kinship caregivers to find this show because we believe it's a vital resource for the parenting journey. It is a resource I wish I had back 22 years ago. I guess they really didn't maybe have podcasts back then, but if they did, I would have wanted this show. I would have wanted to know that I'm not alone on the journey and that other families are experiencing what our family has and is experiencing. And then you don't really feel so isolated when you know there's folks out there who get it. Uh, So, We want to hear from you too, because when you realize other people do get it and other folks are on this journey, you might want to connect, right? And I would love to connect with you. So if you do find the show to be an encouragement, let us know. Uh, You can email me directly at Sandra Flack 
jfo at gmail.com. I check my email and I respond to um, everyone that comes in from listeners. I love to hear your comments. You're just so many times I hear from from folks that are just saying, you know, I heard you talking and that's our kid or that's what we're going through or, you know, just whatever that comment is. Or maybe you just want to talk about a specific topic that is going on in your house right now, right? So reach out. You can reach out to me by my email. You can also reach me through uh, our ministry website, which is justicefororphansny.org. I invite you to stay tuned to the end of the show because I have some uh, more announcements about some upcoming resources and some current resources that are on our website, which very soon should be updated. uh, And I'll be making that announcement on social media and on this podcast as soon as we know that the revised website is up and running. You know, you have to sometimes do reno, right? You have to do fixer upper. And uh, that's what we needed to do to our website to bring it to bring it up to speed to where JFO is headed now, the things that we're doing now. And one of those things is offering vital resources in trauma informed parenting and FASD parenting. So stay tuned to the end of the show. uh, So you can learn more about that. Now to our guest adoptive dad, Tom Mallow. Tom and his amazing wife, Kendra, have been married for 27 years. They have seven children, four adopted through foster care. Tom is a pastor and oversees children's ministry at his church, Rock Solid Church in Hudson, New York. Shout out to them as they are one of our Care Portal churches and a great uh, supporter of JFO and our work here. Tom also works for New York State Office of Children and Family Services. Please welcome Tom Malo. Hey, Tom. Hi, Sandra. It's great to have you on the show. Um, I've known you and Kendra for a long time now. Love your hearts and your passion for children in foster care. And finally, I get to hear the whole story because I don't think I've heard your whole story. Um, I was going to say from start to finish, but you're not finished yet. So um, we'll, we'll we'll unpack all of that. So, but let's start at the beginning because I know it's 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 such an inspirational part of your story. What led you and Kendra to become foster parents? Well, I thank you, Cinder, for always remembering us. Um, and uh, it was um, not on my part. I didn't jump right in. Uh, my wife had always wanted to foster children um, from, I don't know, 20 years ago. And we've been together for 32 years. So uh, I hesitated. And I hesitated for the fact that I said, I'm sorry, honey, I'm not ready because I won't be able to let them go. Mm-hmm. And for years she would pray and she would support other foster families and uh, talk to them and cry with them. And I'm like, no, I don't think so, honey. And then uh, out of the blue, she, she stopped asking. And then out of the blue, um, I was fasting one year. It was in January, and I wasn't fasting about foster care. I wasn't fasting even anything related to care. Um, And it never even came up in my prayer or my devotions for the whole time I fasted. It was a couple of weeks, and it never came up at all. But when I was done fasting, almost the day I was done or the day after I was done, I went to my wife, 
out of the blue and said, so what do we have to do to do that fostering thing again? <laughs> lit up. She lit up with joy and she's like, what? Really? I'm like, yeah, what do we have to do? And that's when, of course, we uh, made some phone calls and signed up for classes. And um, that's how it all started. And she said, well, how did this come up? And I told her, I said, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, during fasting, obviously, God puts things in your heart and softens you to things in the direction he wants you to go. But I wasn't even asking for a question about this. And it, it came up. And that was it. Uh, and um, so I told her when she questioned me, I said, you know what? God told me, because I questioned him once he said, uh, once he told me, go forward with this, I said, really, this is going to be so hard. And his response to me was, love them when you have them. Mm. Oh, I, I love said, that. I do love them. I, I, I love my children. I love kids of the church. I love the kids on my team. I love them. And he said, they're all mine and they're not going to be with you forever, any of them whether they're biological or not. So you love them while you have them. Mm. And that was it. That was all I needed. And I jumped, I jumped both feet in with Kendra and you know, it's, it's, it's been an amazing journey and ride since then. Wow. I love that. I love it. Cause you're hearing clearly from the Lord. And I think that fasting time just prepares us to hear from the Lord, you know, so incredible part of your story. Uh, now you're in upstate New York, as I am. So getting started in foster care means taking the MAPS classes to become certified foster parents. So you did that. And then how long after getting certified did you get your first placement? The next day. Oh my goodness, the next day. They didn't waste any time. <laughs> they all knew, uh, the people who um, uh, decide where children go all knew that we were doing it and we were the only ones in our county doing it at that time. Wow. So they were just waiting. And as soon as we got the green light, um, there was one the next day. And my wife was like, honey, they have a request today. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Wow. So, now the first request, how old, what was, what was that like? Um, she was, Oh, was two. Uh, she and her little brother. She was about 10-ish, maybe. Um, yeah, she was probably around 10. And her little brother was two. Wow. And they were in that group. Um, but we only got those two uh, because there were different fathers involved and that kind of a thing. Yeah. But um, interestingly enough, uh, and I don't know if this is true for everybody, but that first one, uh, even to this day, I want to say 11 years later, um, my oldest daughter, Gianna, she still is in contact with her and talks to her all the time. Wow. My oldest daughter taught her how to drive and she hasn't been in our house. She was only in our house for, I want to say about a year or so, she and her little brother. But so she hasn't been in our house in like almost 10 years. And nevertheless, my children, my biological children, they were all in. Wow. As soon as we told them the way God is uh, uh, guiding us, 
they were all in. And to this day, Gianna still talks to her. Um, and uh, it's a beautiful relationship. Wow. That's incredible. Because I know sometimes potential foster families or even potential adoptive families will think if they've got biological children already, this could have a negative effect on my biological children. Like I don't want to damage them or or have a, a negative impact on our family. But you've had the opposite. Yeah, it did. It did the exact opposite. It I'm so I'm so blessed that um, we did this and, and I obeyed uh, God at that time because not only did it do, um, I believe, great for the children uh, that we fostered, but I think that it did an amazing, miraculous work in my biological children's character. Mm. Um, I mean, they were good kids, but this solidified the 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 truth of what the word says about love and service and being selfless because my children my my biological children were all in and they love these children that came in our home from day one as if they were brothers and sisters for life Mm. wow incredible that's what god can do right that's what god can do yeah yeah i told my I said, honey, you realize that our house is a house of miracles. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, so you've been fostering for about 11 years, you said. How many children have you and Kendra fostered over that time? 14. Wow, 14. Incredible. Now, out of that 14, you adopted four. Um, yes. Were they siblings? Can you sort of unpack that part of the story, how their adoptions came about? Well, you know, what's interesting is that when we did decide to do foster care, uh, Kendra and I said to each other, we're all in. So what that meant to us is, number one, we're going to love them while we have them, just like our biological children. But we are all in no matter what, which means if they're with us for a week, we're all in. Whether they're in a whether they're with us for a year, we're all in. And whether they're with us for life, we're all in. So we went into it with the peace of having to let go, but with the commitment to keep them if they needed it. Um, so the first couple that we adopted were two um, biological sisters. They were half sisters. That means they had the same biological mother and two different fathers. And they came to us on the day after Christmas uh, in 2013. Wow. And I, my friend who worked for um, DSS, um, who brought them to us, and he brought them right to the front porch. And I looked at him and I said, Merry Christmas. This is the best present God has ever brought to us. It's alive. and both girls um they lit up they saw a christmas tree um we had planned ahead of time we knew they were coming the day before so we had gifts for them uh so they didn't feel like and from the moment i set eyes on them that night i went to bed and they weren't our first obviously but and i didn't say this for all of the foster children but i looked at my wife and i said these are going to be keepers forever. Mm. And she said, you think we're going to have an opportunity to adopt them? I said, yeah, I think so. And lo and behold, a couple of years later, 
uh, we did. Wow. And how old were the girls? The girls were five and six. Aww. And they they have one other sibling who's uh, 10 years older than them. Wow. And then, so so that was two of the four you adopted. So how did the next two come? So interestingly enough, after we adopted them, we went on a trip because while they were foster children, we couldn't take them out of the state without going through a bunch of hoops. So as soon as we had a date for adoption, um, I planned a trip out of the country and we took them, we took them on a cruise. Um, <laughs> what a way to yeah, celebrate. Oh, yeah, we got their passports. And at that moment, when we adopted them, we were like, OK, let's just have them and not have any foster care kids come in for a little season so that they can app- acclimate to um, being adopted instead of just coming and going. And um, so um, in uh, that was September. And then January, we got a call saying we have two babies and would you guys be interested in just caring for them for a few weeks? And my wife and I were like, okay, we're not doing any placements. It's just a few weeks. And we took them for uh, three weeks. And then a, a family member came in of theirs, biological, and took them uh, pretty much from us to um, another state. And it was a beautiful thing because it was like, oh, that was great, two babies. And now they're with biological family. Two months later, uh, three months later, we went on our cruise. And while we were on the cruise, we got a message. And we hadn't even come back yet. And the message was, things didn't work out with the biological family. Are you guys still willing to have them back at your house? And Kendra and I prayed, of course. And what was supposed to be a season of a year or so was a season of six or seven months without getting any other children in the house. But we said, yes, we took them back. And... um, they were the next two that we adopted. They are biological brother and sister. Um, when we got them, they were one and a half and two and a half. And they have the same biological mother and father. Um, so they came to us. They were both in diapers. And um, when we came back from our cruise, two days later, we got um, Christopher and Sabrina. And uh, they complimented uh, the other two girls, my daughters, Isabel and Paige, perfectly. Um, the other children were excited, and um, it is all history from that point on. Not far history. Goodness, that was only uh, five years ago. Wow. <laughs> Six years. Have you continued no. to foster? No. Once the those two babies came in, the older sibling, my son... Um, he has many challenges, had uh, many challenges, and he uh, had very special needs. So my wife and I did not want to disrupt our attention uh, for him and the other children. So we took a break at that point. Um, it was maybe we did a weekend respite here and there while we, while we were fostering them too. But after we adopted them, it was uh, two years later, um, after we adopted them, we said, okay, our house is full and we really need to pour everything we have 
into our seven children. Mm -hmm. And that means it was more than we were ever thinking or imagining with the one with special needs. Uh, if he, if there would have been another child that come into our house, it would have really disrupted his growth. Yeah. Yes. I can completely relate to that. Uh, my husband and I have five children through adoption, uh, familiar with the challenges families struggle with because of trauma. Uh, oftentimes children are prenatally exposed to alcohol and other substances, um, have FASD diagnosed or not. Um, so it, what are, in addition to your son, including including that little guy, what other struggles like that did you face? Because did, did you encounter things like that along the way? Definitely. Aside from our four children, which when we got our first two that we adopted, um, the girls, uh, the younger one, Paige, they had told us that she was very special needs. She was medically uh, not well. They weren't sure if she was going to make it uh, through childhood. And my wife and I prayed over her. And um, we went through the motions through prayer and love and care to wean her off of the medicine she came in with. And they said she has three to four seizures a day. Well, from the minute she stepped foot in our home, she never had another seizure. Wow. She never had it. We weaned her off of all the medication that they had her on. And you would not be able to tell to this day that she had any medical issues whatsoever. She's uh, a beautiful young woman now of uh, 14 years old in a couple of weeks. And um, that was a, a one that was very challenging. And my other one, uh, Isabella, she um, had at the time uh, ADHD, which several uh, several of the children that have come in have had that um christopher has had many different uh diagnoses and challenges as one of my sons um and uh aside from my my four uh that are now uh, a part of our permanent family aside from that we had um one child who came into our home who was nonverbal she was uh, the same age as Isabella, and she was nonverbal. And they, the school district said they identified her with this word. She's like a wild child from the woods. Mm -hmm. and like, oh, okay, I'm a woods guy. <laughs> all, the, all the boys in my family are woodsmen. Let's go for it. And she had very serious needs. Her mom had... Um, some mental health issues and challenges and she was taken advantage of because of that um by men and then this child who exceeded the mother in intelligence at a mere six seven years old um she was nonverbal, and like i said kendra and i were all in and i almost felt like helen keller <laughs> and hugging her and holding her and you know teaching her how to speak and discipline like no she didn't understand that and lovingly guiding her in the way she should go and within a few weeks she started talking within a few weeks she acclimated to the structure of the home um and uh she was very challenging very very challenging and um she didn't stay forever but um I believe that uh, my family and I made even an impact on her 
Uh, to this day, I think she still has some challenges and she must be a, a middle teenager or something by now. Um, and those are the difficult things that have stood out to us mm. through the years. Yeah, but you love them while you have them, like you said, and, and that definitely had an impact. So I love that. Um, and I know we were chatting earlier before we hit record. Um, I know you, like me, are enjoying grandchildren, uh, some of the greatest blessings, right? And some of your kids are grown and out of the house, obviously. So how do you currently, um, who's home? How many kids do you have home right now? We have six. Uh, the only one of our children that are out are my old, is my oldest. She uh, got married and uh, now has two children. Um, but the other six are in and they range from the age from oldest to youngest. I have a 20-year-old son who is, um, you know, pretty much working full-time as a contractor. Um, then a 17-year-old son who's graduating high school in a couple of weeks. Then um, we have uh, a 15-year-old daughter, a 14-year-old daughter, um, an 8-year-old son, and a 7-year-old son. Well, it should be 7 Thursday. Um, so the four youngest are the four that we have adopted in our home right now. So the two oldest, the two sons, they are biological. Okay. So there's six. All, but at, at one point, uh, at the beginning of this year, we had four teenagers in the house, <laughs> two girls and two boys. And that was a challenge on itself. <laughs> I can relate. I have two teenage boys right now in my house, and and that is a challenge. Um, I can, I can, you know, I feel your pain, so to speak, and have had more, you know, we've had a large, have had our eight kids, so um, crazy and homeschooled. Are you guys still? I know, I know, you've had seasons of homeschooling as well. Is any of that going on? Yes, my uh, youngest four, the four that we adopted, they're all homeschooled. Uh, 15, 14, eight and seven, they're all homeschooled. My wife is amazing. She is, um, there's one point where I said when my uh, 17 year old son um, had his last little league game at 12 years old and I coached for so many years, I told everybody I hung up my cleats at which I, and I retired from coaching. And then this year I picked them up again <laughs> because the youngest one, the youngest one wants to play baseball. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm coming out of retirement to coach again. <laughs> my wife did the same thing. She uh, didn't homeschool for a couple of years, and she uh, came out of retirement, and now she's all in again. Um, yeah, our stories overlap a little bit because we homeschooled for years, graduated six of our eight, and then the two younger boys who, who are our youngest two adopted and both have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and trauma. And um, they were in school for a season doing very well until COVID. And then um, our youngest, who's now 16, just really, really struggled with the, the changes and the challenges from that and all of the disruptions. And he needs consistency and structure and things were just constantly changing and he couldn't he couldn't learn in that environment. So we brought him home uh, October of 2020 and we've been homeschooling ever since. Uh, and he's in a much better place you know, much better place. So, um, you know, I know it's not for everybody and it's, it's, it can be hard, but that in, in and of itself is a calling, but it's also a great accommodation for our kids who may need that. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not the easy road homeschooling. No. And, uh, my, my oldest son struggled with that whole 
uh, learn from home thing, my oldest biological son. And he, um, we homeschooled him until high school. And then he went to a private school because the public school couldn't meet his needs. Um, and he, two months or three months before graduation, when COVID just hit in 2020, he said, I, I, I don't think I'm going to do this. This is too much because everything was now online mm -hmm. and book form. And he's not an online book form person. He's a hands-on person. That's why he went to BOCES for carpentry because he's hands-on yeah. and he thrives in that. We as parents really got to see the strengths of our children yes. and push them in the direction of their strengths. His strength was that and we pushed him that way. And I think homeschooling really gives you a great opportunity to identify your children's strengths and you as the parent now teach them to their strengths instead of trying to squeeze them into a square hole when they are uh, round or diagonal or <laughs> I'm sorry, um, which, you know, is a lot of what the public school does because they're not equipped, but we as moms and dads are equipped. Yeah. And so it really is the best for some children. Yeah. Yeah. We may not think we're equipped, but that's, that's God's part, right? He equips us for what he calls us to do. That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, um, so older and adult bio biological kids, younger kids at home, um, you know, probably trauma histories like we all know. And I know from my experience, um, my kids all pretty much get along. My adult kids don't always understand our methods of trauma competent parenting, um, especially not with our two teenage boys who have FASD. Have you encountered any of that where, you know, I, I know sometimes I, my oldest adult son will sometimes say, you know, we got spanked for that and you're letting them do that. You know, have you run into any of that? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, what I get is the exact quote that you just yeah. said. I get from the children is they get away with everything. Yeah. Yeah. We would never do that. And, um, of course your first child, uh, there, I call her my guinea pig child, and um, maybe even the next few down the line were experimental too. But um, well, I'm not so sure we perfected it with the littlest ones we have now. But I get that even from my um, my adopted children, the older ones that are teenagers. They look at the younger ones that are little, and they're like, "How do you get? How do you let them get away with that?" <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? They're not really getting away with it. You just don't see behind the scenes and the full picture. Yeah. They are being, they're being um, uh, taught and trained in a way that each child is different. Um, and it doesn't matter where you come from or what you've done. Every single living, breathing child has challenges and difficulties and has strengths and weaknesses. And um, you parent them differently you know yeah and my old children because that's the same response we give to each one of them that have made that statement they come to know and i hope they'll be better parents knowing that every child is different yeah 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 especially i think the firstborn is it can tend or at least at least at my house you know who's now a parent has several children you know somehow all of a sudden you know they know better than you know, mom and dad over here, 
you know, in approaching retirement age and still parenting uh, teenagers, you know, with developmental disabilities and, you know, so yeah, it's a, it is, it is an interesting journey when you're, you know, you're, you're in this with, with sets of kids. We were talking about that earlier. You have your first set of biological kids, then you get a, then you adopt and you get maybe some siblings and then you get, in your case, you got another set of kids. And um, so it's, it, it is, it is interesting how, as we get as we age as adults and, and parents and um, you know, my, my husband is nearing retirement age. I'm not, he is, but <laughs> it is, it's a different journey. You know, we're, we're at different places. We have grandchildren and, and um, you know, child, teenagers that we're still parenting. So uh, it's just navigating all of that can definitely be interesting most days. so tom um as a foster and adoptive dad would you say to our listeners or share with our listeners um who are either considering fostering or considering adopting or maybe they're already on this journey and they're just really in a hard place it can be very challenging uh you know what that's like would you share some words of encouragement some advice sure i have Aside from what I've already shared, there are a couple of scriptures that um, have really encouraged us and, and helped us to stay in the game. Um, one is, of course, the one uh, that speaks of caring for widows and orphans. And I know that's a big scripture for uh, uh, justice for orphans. Um, and that one rings true because we as believers... Um, we are adopted, and I. The other scripture that um, that that kind of encourages me is the scripture that talks about um, mm. us being grafted in, and we're grafted into the vine as believers. So, just like we as believers into God's family and His kingdom and His body are grafted into it, and then become a part of it, and you can't tell at some point the branches that are grafted in and the branches that are naturally grown. And um, we've embraced that, that scripture. And um, recently I was doing devotions in uh, Romans chapter 10 and it talked, it talks about Israel and it talks about um, whether someone has had the ancestry of being God's people or they have been adopted in and they are new converts. And the bottom line with that is that he treats you the same. He treats you the same with God. So because there's no difference with God, there should be no difference with us. Um, it's not easy. It's not the it's not the path that everybody's going on. But I do believe, like you've said before, Sandra, I believe that adoption is God's plan A. Um, he's he's I, I believe that's why he gave up his son, um, so that people can believe and become adopted into his family. And I believe that's what he wants us to do with each other as well. So um, I would encourage uh, folks that um, no matter what hesitation they have and no matter what red tape, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of it, especially there's so much red tape and frustration. I've always said the hardest part about fostering is not the children and not letting them go. The hardest part is dealing with the local um, government administrations. That is the most difficult part. 
because they don't, a lot of times they don't share your heart, but as a, a person who's looking to do that, knowing these things going into it, you can weed through that and anchor yourself in your commitment to be all in and do it because God has called you to do it and he'll provide perfectly. He'll provide your peace, your emotional peace. He'll provide um, everything you need to be the dad he needs you to be for the child that he puts in front of you at that moment. Mm, I love that. I love that. I also wanted to ask you about, because I know I know you are part of an amazing church over there in Hudson, and I, I wanted to make sure... Um, you know, that we get to this part of it because foster and adoptive parents um, are much more successful, right? When we're well supported and when we're wrapped around. And I know your church, Rock Solid, um, has been a supportive community for you and Kendra. So can you share a little bit about that? Well, I think um, probably the best way that our church has wrapped around us is they, from my perspective, the people of our church, did not treat our children um, like outsiders. They pretty much embraced our children as malos. Every child we came to church, they embraced as malos. And um, that's that's one way they wrapped around us. Another way is that some of them got it cleared to provide uh, babysitting services for the kids when they're younger. So uh, they were they did that. There are I don't even know, six, eight, six or eight, uh, 10, maybe other families that have fostered and adopted from our church. Um, three of them who have adopted or four of them that have adopted, we're very close with. So we're kind of our own support group because <laughs> we share stories and we've supported each other through the challenges. And I think that makes it, it makes it um, a lot easier when you have a body of believers that are um, loving caring, follow what the word says. Um, and, um, they love us and support us. And, uh, that's, that's how they have wrapped around. Mm. Um, of them have, uh, um, said, Oh, well, of course we'll get cleared to be foster parents too. And then not only do they provide, uh, some babysitting services for us, but then they get their own too. Wow. So you're contagious. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I know it's 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 such a, a vital part of it feeling, you know, having that support. So your faith and your and your church support. I mean, that's incredible to have, um, you know, church members who will go and get uh, the clearances so that they can do babysitting and, and give you guys a little bit of respite because that's key. Uh, my husband and I don't have that right now. And most people would think we don't need that help, but we have teenagers that can't be really left alone. Um, so, and then with homeschooling, one of them, it's, you know, we're constantly on call. Uh, so respite would be really, really nice. Uh, and, and our kids aren't foster kids, they're adopted. So we don't have to have, you know, we just need support people. And it's really hard to come by that right now um, for us anyway. So I love it that you're in a church that gets it and they're in it with you. Um, and your faith faith in the Lord has anchored you. So I, I love your story. I'm so glad that we were able to connect and, 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 and uh, have you on so you can share your heart and story, Tom. Um, any last thoughts before we close? Anything else you want to say? No, I just, um, I encourage people to... Um not 
be driven by fear and uh, not be uh, driven by uh, the unknown because there are a lot of unknowns when you do foster care. Um, and just like uh, Jesus said, uh, you gave me a drink when I was thirsty and you gave me something to eat when I was hungry. Um, so not only is it with adults that we care for them when there's a need, but when he says, when I was homeless, you gave me a shelter. That is all of those you gave me from Jesus Christ are what we do as sons and daughters of God and what we do as foster parents. We give them, give yeah. them uh, all of those things. And um, I think that is what I'd like to leave with everybody is that um, what you've done for the least of these, you've done for him. Oh, that's some of my favorite verses in Matthew 25. So thank you for <laughs> highlighting those. Tom, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Um, I'm sure our listeners will be encouraged and inspired. And hey, have a happy Father's Day. Thank you very much, Sandra. Take care. Thanks. Wow, what an amazing story. Tom and Kendra, such an inspiration to the foster and adoption community. Um, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. Um, I know that um, I was inspired. I'm sure that you are too by Tom's story. Um, be sure to check out the show notes for this episode um, for any links that we're going to put in there. Uh, I know you didn't get to hear the conversation at the end because we stopped recording, but um, uh, Rock Solid, uh, Tom and Kendra's church are one of our Care Portal churches, and they are looking to help us bring it to uh, bring Care Portal to Columbia County, their upstate New York County, um, and we're anxious to do that. So we're super excited. So love to partner with them. I also want to remind you about uh, our FASD 101 training we are currently offering online or in person. Uh, we've created a three-hour training about FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, for parents and professionals. Um, you can learn about the training soon on our website at justicefororphansny.org, um, or you can email me directly, uh, again, at sandraflack.com jfo at gmail.com if you're interested in having me come and present uh, or if you want to do an online uh, it's great for a support group uh, foster adoptive parent group uh, it can be an informal group if you just have a bunch of friends who are foster and adoptive parents and they want to learn more about FASD um, we can definitely uh, present uh, to an informal group as well uh, as well as agencies and organizations uh, it's an excellent resource to learn more about FASD, what it is, how it impacts brain development, brain structure and function, um, what the uh, symptoms are, because there's there's three tiers of symptoms. Many of those symptoms are the behaviors like that we see as foster and adoptive parents, the behaviors we see in our kids are actually oftentimes symptoms of prenatal exposure to alcohol. So we break that all down as well as um, just techniques in um, best practices in parenting uh, children with a, a neurodiversity, right? A brain difference because um, it is a completely different set of parenting tools, just like we had to apply our um, 
trauma-informed parenting tools. Um, this is just another whole level of that, that that meshes nicely with it. But if you're dealing with prenatal exposure, it's 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 another level, right? And if, if, if you're dealing with it, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So we, we cover, um, you know, making accommodations and what that might look like and building on our kids' strengths and what that might look like. And it's just a really great presentation. So if you are interested, again, uh, you can learn more at justicefororphansny.org or you can email me directly. Uh, We also have something very special brewing up beginning in September. September is National FASD Awareness Month, and we will be collaborating. I will be collaborating with another fellow adoptive FASD mama, who many of you may know, I'm not making the announcement yet, but the closer we get to September, the more you'll find out more details on the website and on this podcast. Um, We're going to be collaborating to bring you a monthly virtual support group, um, as well as a community where you'll be able to connect um, more um, intimately in smaller group settings on a regular basis. Um, We're going to be offering a support group um, inspiration inspirational type group for our youth with FASD and trauma, uh, as well as um, a a private Facebook group where you're going to be able to get um, a weekly devotional live video from myself and um, our other mom who will be hosting this whole project with me. So we are, um, you know, at this point, we are just putting it all together together. by the inspiration of the Lord on what this is going to look like and what we know we would we need as adoptive parents. So stay tuned because we've got some amazing things coming that will be resources to help you along on your journey. Um, I'm just grateful to have you on this journey. Let us know that you've enjoyed this show by subscribing and leaving a review. And hey, let your fellow adoptive and foster friends know about this podcast so that they can be encouraged and equipped too. You can check out my family's adoption journey through kinship and uh, international adoption in my book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It's available wherever you buy books. If you get it from Amazon, you can get the uh, soft cover copy or the Kindle version. If you read it from there, please leave a review on Amazon. I'd greatly appreciate that. If you'd like a signed copy, which includes a special gift bookmark, um, I would be happy to sign it personally to you and pop it in the mail. You can order a signed copy from my website, sandraflack.com. And there you can learn more about me, read my blog and contact me for speaking opportunities. I'd also like to give a shout out to our business sponsors that really help us do what we do here at JFO. They are our Care Portal County sponsors, Tri-Nuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, and National Bank of Cooksaki. These businesses care about children and families in crisis. If you know of a business that also cares about children and families in crisis and would like to become one of our sponsors, you can learn more at justicefororphansny.org. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And I also, Sandra Flack, am on Facebook and Instagram. Look me up and follow me. Friend me. Would love to connect with you. I am grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today, and I'm thrilled to have you along for the journey. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.